self-explanatory. But there's some things we'll look at as we get into it. Starting with verse 16, we'll go all the way through 26 to the end of it. He starts out in verse 16, he says, This I say then, continuing on something of what he had said in the last part of this, he said, Walk in the Spirit, ye shall, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, I can spell it if I pronounce that right, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envying, murderers, drunkenness, and reveling, and such things and such like of which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections of lust. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, revoking one another, provoking one another, envying one another. Paul goes on that he contrasts the the uh, two differences between walking in our flesh and walking in our spirit. And he goes on to say this, as I said then, he said he said this once before, he said, walk in the spirit. He said, now we know that those who are Christ have who have, uh, by grace, through faith, have believed in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ and became a children of him, that we have the Spirit working within us. We have it. Uh, it dwells within us. And he said we need to walk in that Spirit. And if we walk in that Spirit, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. There is a battle that, that we go through each day. We battle between our flesh and our spirit. Not even our spirit, but his spirit. The Holy Spirit, which dwells within us. There is a battle that rages. And we may not see it, but we act upon it. And we feel it. He says, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh if you're walking in that spirit. He says, for the flesh lusts after the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. There is that battle there. Now, Scripture tells us that we battle against Flesh, well, not against flesh and blood, but against uh, principalities and powers. We, 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 we battle against that Satan and the devils and his demons. But he's saying here, Paul says that we also battle against ourselves. We battle against that old flesh. That flesh that even Pastor even spoke about this morning and, and we'll see here. He got into my study this morning when he was preaching, but that's okay. <laughs> he, he made out a point there. That was good. But we, we, we will battle against our flesh, our old nature. And with that new spirit in us, that Holy Spirit in us, we now battle against it. He says, for the flesh lusteth against the spirit. It, it fights against it. 
and our spirit, or that Holy Spirit, fights against the flesh. And these are contrary one to another, so that we cannot do the things we would. If we're walking in the, the flesh, the Spirit's telling us, no, you can't do that. If we're walking in the Spirit, it's saying, no, you can't do that. What we want to do is going to have a, a reaction both of the flesh and the Spirit. They're, they're going to, uh, uh, contrary to each other, they're going to battle it out. Who do you think is going to win? The Spirit. Sooner or later, the Spirit will win. He said, we do not do the things we would. If we're walking in that Spirit, we're not going to do the things that he's going to point out to us here in a few minutes that the flesh does. He says, but if we are led by the Spirit, remember when been a few weeks, been before we even started in Galatians. I spoke to you about the leading of the Spirit. That we need to be led by that Spirit. Because if we're led by that Spirit, then we'll do the things that the Spirit wants us to. And this is what Paul is speaking out on here. He said, if you're led by the Spirit, ye are not under the law. If we're being led by the Spirit, we're not under that law of sin anymore. We don't have to follow what sin says to, to do. We don't have to follow our flesh. If my flesh says, you want to go over here and hang out with these guys and drink booze, my spirit says, no, you don't really want to do that. But if I decide, you know, I'm going to do it anyway, then I'm fighting against that spirit, that Holy Spirit of God. And that's not what God wants from us. He doesn't want us fighting him. He wants us to submit to him. He goes on to say, and we're going to look at each one of these. He says, now the works of the flesh are manifest. They show forth. Everything that we do in the flesh shows forth. It is manifest. We can see it. Okay? So let's go to the first one. He said adultery. That's all manner of lewdness or unchastity. Adultery, having extramarital affairs having uh, affairs before marriage. Anything like that is adultery. Okay, It's all manner of lewdness and unchastity. Fornication, again, lewdness. Same thing as adultery. Having an affair, a sexual uh, affair with someone that's not your wife, not your husband, it's lewdness. This is something that God hates. It's, this is the flesh. Uncleanness. Moral impurity, defilement, sinfulness. Those are, these are the simple, I've just given you a simple explanation. These come out of the Webster's 1828 Dictionary. I wouldn't bring them out of today's dictionary because they wouldn't have as much meaning today as they, as they should have. Uncleanness, the foulness, the immoral impurity. Lasciviousness. I say that properly. This is looseness or lustfulness. To excite, to lust, wantonness. This is one of those things where, you know, and it goes both ways, not just on us, but those who we see. That lustfulness. Uh, I think one commentator said that that is uh, to excite, to lust. If, if, if I'm doing something that's going to excite somebody else into a lustful thought, 
that person as well is going to do the same thing to me. That's a looseness or lustfulness or excitement to make lust. Idolatry. Now those first four there were, were uh, all sexual uh, sins put in one little category there. And that gets into idolatry. The worship of images or anything made by hands or anything which is not God. If you, I know some people who, who think that, you know, their, um, their car is the greatest thing. They're shining it up every day, and they're polishing it and washing it. They take it up here, and they park it on the street with the, the, uh, during the weekend that they have the car show. That's their pride and joy. Guess what? That's also their idol. That's what they're working on. That's what they worship. Any image. Uh, back in the 15th, 16th century, I think, maybe in the 14th century, when the Reformation was going along, they started taking any pictures, any statues out of the churches. That was idolatry. That's what they were considering idolatry. Okay? Uh, we went on a trip out to Arizona. Well, we took a bus all the way through, but we stopped in Arizona, and there's a small town in Arizona. Um, it's, it's the original town of... Uh, I can't remember. It's the original old town of one famous town, but I can't think of what it is now. Anyway, they had this Catholic church there that we built way back in 17, 1800, whenever it was. And you walk in, and you see all these statues along the wall. Here's Peter and John and James and Timothy and all those statues of them. Right up front, dead center, if we look this way, it'd be dead center right there was a picture or a statue, a giant statue, probably about 10 feet tall, of Mary holding baby Jesus. Over here on the side, in this one little corner over here, and a little oval thing was a picture of Jesus or a statue of Jesus. It was about that tall. You see who they were worshiping? That's why it's called idolatry. They were worshiping Mary. And so he says anything, any image or anything that was made by hands is idolatry. Anything that is not God is idolatry. Witchcraft. Practices of witches, sorcery, enchantment, interacting with the devil. Having a relationship or a, a some type of uh, interaction with Satan or his demons. Okay? That's witchcraft. He says hatred. Great dislike or enmity. Hatred. I go around, I may say, you know, I hate that politician or I hate that. I don't truly mean it. But it's, it's my way of saying I dislike him very much. You know, very, very much. But hatred, that's a sin. It's a sin God causes to dis a great dislike or an enmity. The Bible says that uh, natural man has an enmity with God. He hates God. Romans talks about it. And that if we get in, ever get into Romans, which we did a few years ago, you'll see that God just, you know, natural man just hates God. It's an enmity with him. Variance. Now, I had to look this up because what we see as variance now is what? A difference, a 
something different than those things. Contrary or controversial or disagreement or discord among people. It's a variance. If we have controversy with somebody or we have a disagreement with somebody, a discord with somebody, that's sin. God calls it sin. That's flesh. That's the flesh doing that. Emulations, jealousy, jealous, indignations. Am I jealous of somebody? No, not really. Sometimes I might say I am, but I'm not really. I, it doesn't matter to me. God says wrath here. Violent anger and indignation. How many of us go off a handle once in a while? I do. I know I do. I've, I've done uh, I'll admit to it. God said, you know, that's the flesh. This all comes down to flesh. He says strife, contention for superiority, struggle for victory, quarrel, or war. How many of us ever get in a quarrel with somebody? That's the flesh. He says that's all part of it. Sedations, raging, factitious, commute, com Motion of the people. Disturbance of public peace. How many of us ever watched that mess that went on out in Washington, Seattle a couple years ago? Remember that? They almost burnt down the whole city. That's sedation. That's disturbance of public peace. It's a high treason. Insurrection in opposition of civil authority. That's flesh. It all has to do with flesh. Heresies, erroneous opinions, unsound doctrine. Back in the days of the Reformation, heresies, or even before then, heresies was a big thing. You, got, you could have been hung for it. You could have been burned at the stake for it. Even if you were in the right and they were in the wrong, according to who was in power. Okay? Envying. Feeling of displeasure produced by witnessing of hearing or hearing of advantage or prosperity of others. How many of us ever looked at something and said, boy, I sure would like to have something like that? It's envy. It's flesh. Murderers. That's pretty simple. One who takes the life of another who, by heart, even in the heart, mentally hates his brother, the Bible says is murder. Drunkenness. Simple. Habitual intoxication. How many of us know drunkards? I know I do. I know a couple of them. Reveling. Rioting or righteous living. Riotous living. Paul says here all these things that he mentions and things such like these. And he doesn't mean these are 15 things that he's mentioned that he pulls straight out off the top of his head when he writes this and says, you know, even things that are like this is nothing more than the flesh. And if you're doing any of these things, you are walking in the flesh. Now, Paul doesn't say that we're not going to do these things. We are. I get angry. I, I may say somebody, you know, I hate you, or I hate that person, or this. I don't truly mean it. I repent for it. 
But God said, Paul says here, he says, these things and such like these things, which I tell you, and he's told them this before, he says, in the past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Is he saying they're going to lose their salvation? No. What he's saying here in this passage is not that they're going to lose their salvation. Is that If they are living this type of life on a daily basis, they ain't saved in the first place. They can't be. Because the Spirit's not going to let them. And if they don't have the Spirit living within them, this is the way they live. Now, we can look at people and say, well, that's a good man there. I mean, he, he gives to charities, and, and he works hard, and he takes care of his families. Yeah, but that's flesh. And that's what Paul's talking about. He said, that's all flesh. If you're doing these things, you're doing it in the flesh. Pastor spoke about it this morning. The things we do, and Paul's going to say it here in a few minutes when I get to it, Things we do, if we're doing it to show before people, it's all flesh. Those things, he said, those people who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God because they don't have the spirit living in them. And the only way for them to get that spirit in them is to what? By grace, through faith, believe, repent, Call upon the name of Jesus Christ. That's how they get it. They will receive the Spirit. These people who walk and live like this on a daily basis, they're not living in the Spirit. They're walking after the flesh. He goes on in 22. Now he goes on with the Spirit. And he calls these fruits of the Spirit. Why does he call them fruits of the Spirit? You ever think about that? What happens to a fruit? If a fruit gets eaten uh, or, or it dies or rottens away, what happens to the seed? It grows another one, doesn't it? That's what I see about this. If, if it's a fruit, that fruit can be shared. That fruit will multiply. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. Now let's look at that. Somebody give me a definition of love. Well, let's get to the dictionary version of it. Webster Dictionary. An affection of the mind excited by beauty and worth of any kind or by the qualities of an object which communicate pleasure, sensual or intellectual. Now, he says that the spirit is love. But what kind of love do we have for God? What kind of love does God have for us? See, even though the dictionary says that this can be a communication that we can love pleasure, and it can be sensual, and it can be just intellectual. But with the Spirit in us, that love, it goes one way. Which way is it? Upward. That love is to be pointing toward God. The Spirit is love, he says. Then he goes on to joy. Well, let me, let me give you another definition here of these couple uh, statements. Love is ardent friendship or a strong attachment springing from goodwill and esteem and the pleasure derived from the company, civilities, and kindness of others. Another one says this. 
Love of God is the first duty of man. This springs from just view, just views or right views of his attributes or excellencies of character which afford the highest delight to the sanctified heart. I like that one best. Because that's our love toward God. God showed his love toward us in a death, burial, and resurrection of his son Jesus Christ. We calling upon his name, believing by grace, that love should be back to him from us. It is our duty to love him back. Joy, a glorious, triumphant state. The passion or emotion of excitement, the excitement of pleasurable feeling. Joy is a good thing, if it's in a good thing. Right? If it's through the Spirit, it will be toward a good thing. People can have joy of winning the lottery. Right? It's excitement. It's joy. Oh, I'm happy. I can pay all my bills now. But the joy of the Spirit is toward God. The joy of the Spirit is, is the, the passion for God and the emotion of excitement for what He's done for us. He goes on to say peace. I like this one the best. Because I need this all the time. In general, it's the state of quiet or tranquility. It's the freedom from disturbance. Freedom from internal commotion. Internal commotion. Okay? Quiet, order, security. I like my quietness. I like my peace. I get up in the morning at 6 o'clock, Brenda and Haley still in bed. I get my cup of coffee. I go out on the porch in the summertime and fall, sit on the porch. I'm, that's quiet. I can read about quiet. That's my peace. When they get up, that's all gone. <laughs> that's all gone until about 10 o'clock that night. Then they go to bed, and I'm on my own again. I got that peace again. It's a freedom of di- from disturbance. Who gives us that peace? God does. God gives us that peace. He gives us that freedom, not only from the disturbance or the internal commotion. How many times have we ever sit around and think, oh, i got to do this, i got to do that. Now, you're fighting the flesh. Remember, he's talking about the flesh and the spirit. That spirit in our inner motion inside is, is fighting against each other. That's internal commotion. So when we get and say, okay, spirit, it's all yours, we get that peace. Freedom from that. Quiet, orderly, security. And that security of peace only comes through Christ. He goes on to say, long-suffering. This I do not have. Bearing injuries or provocation for a long time. Patient. Not easily provoked. I wish I could get a handle on this. (laughs) I surely do. I am not long-suffering. I just, you know, I'll be honest. When I tell Haley, you got to get up. Get ready for school, let's go. You got 15 minutes. Ten minutes later, 
Haley, get up. We got to go. Now, let's go. Come on. Two minutes later, Haley, come on. We... <laughs> I don't have long suffering. I wish I did. But it's one of those things that the Spirit gives us. And, and when times like that, I just have to stop and get my peace. And then I say, okay, I'll wait. That's the only thing I can do. You see how long God waited for the children of Israel? See how long he waited for you to come to him? Now he, when the word is preached, when pastor preaches the word, and an unsaved person comes in and listens to that word, the Spirit's dealing with them. Now, the Spirit ain't in them yet, but he's dealing with them. And he may deal with them for years. Uh, the story goes of a mother who prayed for, for her child for years and years and years. And she thought, well, it'll never happen. He'll never get saved. Just before her deathbed, he got saved. That's long-suffering. God does that too. He says in his word, he is long-suffering. He is very patient with us. If we commit a sin, he's waiting for us to repent and come back to him. And he'll wait, and he'll wait, and he'll wait. Sooner or later, we'll come back. Gentleness. Gentleness. I don't know if I have gentleness or not either. The softness of manners. The mildness of temper. Sweet disposition, meekness, kindness, tenderness. You ever looked at somebody and said, they got a sweet disposition? They don't look at me and say that. They, They wonder about me sometimes. But the softness of the manners, of mildness. As I read this and and thought about this, I I thought of uh, uh, Henry Fonda. We all know Henry Fonda, right, the actor? You ever ever watch any of his movies, he's always very soft-spoken. He never speaks out loud. In any of his movies, I've never seen him speak real loud or yell or scream. But he has that that, that, uh, demeanor that he just calm and easygoing and soft-spoken. And so, you know, that, that gentleness. Do we know anybody in this church got that gentleness? <laughs> Don't answer that. We won't know. Sweet disposition, meekness, that kindness, that tenderness. We're supposed to have this because we have the Spirit. And number six, he goes on and says, goodness. Moral qualities which constitute Christian excellence. This is the big one. Even though it's a simple word, it says goodness. It's a moral qualities which constitute Christian excellence. Acts of kindness, charity, compassion, mercy. We can say God is good, right? God is good. He has that compassion, that kindness. He has that charity toward us. Do we have it toward anybody else? Goodness. Here's the big one. Faith. Now this, this, this is a good one. I, I, love to, I love to study in this because faith is what we base everything on. If we don't have faith, we don't have the spirit. The ascent of the mind to the truth of a proposition by another. Belief. Belief in the mind of the truth declared by someone resting on his 
his authority without other evidence. The truth of God is right here. This is all the evidence we need. If we believe in this, we have belief in this, the Spirit will give us belief in what we need. It's going to give us that confidence. We don't need any other evidence. Although we can look around nowadays with all the archaeological stuff that's been done, and we can prove that most of the Bible is truth. Can't we? We can go all the way back. They've got documents from all the way back to to the Old Testament. So we have the evidence. Faith in God by evidence of his word and the testimony of Jesus Christ only. That's faith. Someone once said, uh, I think Pastor may even mentioned it too, to have faith in uh, an atheist, to have faith in their beliefs is harder, or, you know, they've got more faith to believe that there ain't a God than we do that there is a God. We have evidence. Evidence. Faith. By grace, we have no faith. Uh, except by grace, we have no faith. Let me put that word back in there. Except by faith, we have no grace. Here we go, meekness again. He said meekness, the softness of temper, the mildness, humility, submission to the divine will. That's meekness. Temperance, moderation, restraint, or moderate indulgences, patience and calm. He says in verse 23, after he gives all these, he says, against such there is no law. God doesn't say you can't do these. He makes no law against them. But he makes a law for them. He says we must accept Christ's death, burial, and resurrection to be saved, to have the Spirit dwelling within us, or these things don't exist in us. These fruits are not there. But he says there is no law against these things. He didn't make any laws against them. Why didn't he? Because these are from him. These are his. If we have his temperaments, if we have his meekness, if we have his gentleness, long-suffering, if we have Christ in our life, we have the Holy Spirit, we will have these in our lives. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh. That's where Pastor got in this morning. With the affections of lust. We, by grace through faith, accepted Christ. It became a born-again Christian. Became God's sons and daughters. We crucified that Christ. We represented, or he represented with that, that, that we died with him. And if we're going to die with him, just like he died on the cross... We've got to get rid of this flesh, the old flesh. And if we're walking in that flesh, then we're doing the things that the unsaved are doing. He says that we are Christ. We have crucified that flesh. And all those affections and all those lusts are crucified with it. Verse 25, he says, if we live in the Spirit, if we live in the Spirit, Let us also walk in the Spirit. 
Let us be led by the Spirit, and let us keep in step with that Spirit. Let us be guided by Him, and let us keep in step with Him. Let's continue to walk. We can live, or we can live uh, outwardly a righteous life, can't we? By show. I can walk around here and, and act like I'm a good man, a Christian man, a gentleness and all of this. But what's inside? It could be nothing. But he said, we have crucified that flesh. We have crucified those affections and those lusts that the flesh wants. But we need to live in the Spirit, but also walk in the Spirit. We need to walk in His steps. We can live with the Spirit within us, and we can do the things that Christ asks us to do, and God wills us to do, and we can be that person, but if we're not following those steps of that Spirit, it's not going to do any good. Let us not be desirous of vainglory. Remember the story of the two guys who go into the temple? The Pharisee, oh, praising himself in front of God so everybody sees it. But the sinner's over there, he bowing his head and quiet, beating on his chest, saying, I am a sinner. The Pharisee was that vainglory. We do these things, we, we, we do all this joy and we do all this meekness and we, we show our faith. It's like somebody say, you put your heart on your sleeve, you know, you're showing it. You're, you're, you're putting it out in front of everybody. You're wanting the glory from them. You're wanting that praise from them. He said, we don't need to be doing that. We don't need to be desirous of that vainglory. Provoking one another. Envying one another. I've been in that church long enough, I've seen... Won't get into it, but I've I've seen some some uh, I wouldn't call it splits, but I've seen some some headbutt, and I've seen people leave because they didn't get their way. Uh, I've seen people come and and say, "Well, you need to do this, you need to do that," and we said, "No, that's not the way we do things." They turn around, and get upset, and start plastering over the town and the county, the way we are and stuff. I used to be, and, and I still am sometimes, when I was in the Army, I got in a lot of fights. Didn't win very many, few of them, but I got into a lot of them. Somebody would provoke me, and I'm very quick to provoke right back. I mean, I, I just, you know, you insult me, I'm going to insult you back, and we'll go at it. But he says, don't provoke one another. Envying one another. Don't be so concerned that JL or somebody driving a, a Lincoln Continental and I'm driving a little Ford Fiesta. You know, I shouldn't be envious of them. They want to spend their money on previous things. That's up to them. You know? I'm going to save my money because i got to pay bills. Okay? <laughs> but he says, don't be envying. Don't provoke him. Paul's statements of, of what our fruit should be is just a statement that we need to follow what Christ taught. Christ didn't worry about where he's going to sleep. Now, in today's 
economy in today's world, there's a little bit difference there. We can't, just can't walk out on the street and give everything up and say, oh, we're going to sleep out here. It doesn't work that way. But Paul says it's an inner thing. We, that spirit that lives in us who are converted, who are, are, are saved by the grace of God, if we're not walking by that spirit, we're walking like the world. And we may need to check ourselves to see if our, uh, our salvation is true. Because if you're walking in the flesh like these here on a daily basis, even if you're doing a few of these things on a daily basis, I know, I know some Christians that they're not in this church. They're in another church. And one, Well, anyway. Um, I go to visit them or I see them or, or we see them at a diner or something or a restaurant. They got a big glass of beer right there in front of them. Sit there and watch them a while. They'll get another one right after that, and another one right after that. The wife will have to drive home, but <laughs> but it's things like that. I I've seen a preacher one time get so upset talking on the phone that he was cussing and screaming, and I don't know who it was he was talking to, but they were provoking him, I guess. And he was going right along with it. And, and strife and wrath, and the things that we do in the church, if we're having problems in the church, we don't need to be arguing with each other about it. We're living like they are. That's not what we're supposed to be living like. Christ says we need to live in that spirit. Paul says to live in that spirit and to walk in that spirit. I know we can't do it all the time. Sometimes it's kind of hard for us because this flesh is very strong. But the spirit's stronger if we let it. Let us walk in the spirit, he says. Because if we walk in the spirit, we shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Anything that makes us feel good, makes our body feel good, That's flesh. But anything that's from the Spirit that makes us feel good, that's the love of God, the meekness. I, I, I watch these shows sometimes. There used to be a show on that uh, they would find a family that their house was falling apart or something and they'd redo their whole house. You know what? That made me feel good to watch them do that. Wishing, being envious, <laughs> that I could be the one to do that for them. Of course, I couldn't. But that, that's something that I like to do. I like to see things like that happen. You know, it's just like somebody coming to Christ, coming forward and receiving Christ. It, it, it's an emotional joy to see that. Especially when it's somebody in your family. We need to walk by flesh, or by spirit, not by flesh. Any questions? Any comments? Nothing. Amen corner back there. I'm waiting for that back here. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing? All right. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this night. We thank you, Lord, for just being with us and helping us to understand and to look into your word uh, deeper. 
Father, we just praise you tonight. We just ask for your blessing upon us as we go about our ways this week. Help us each day to walk in the Spirit. God, help me to walk in the Spirit because I know that there are things that that I know I can't, the flesh just takes over. Father, I do pray and ask for your blessing and your, your mercy and your grace upon each and every one here. Watch over those who are traveling. Watch over Pastor Joe and Cammy as they travel. Uh, Father, put thy will upon each of these uh, requests that uh, need healing and help. Father, we just want to tell you we love you. We thank you. We thank you for your grace, your mercy, your look, Jesus, that came and saved us, gave us that, that, that uh, mercy and grace upon us. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.